On today's show, what comes next for Ricky Rubio? Was last year a sign of things to come, or can he be rehabilitated? It's coming up today on Lockdown Cavs for Friday, May 12th. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Thank you for joining us on Lockdown Cavs and making us your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Chris Manning, covering the Cavs and the NBA for places like SB Nation, Cleveland Magazine, the Just Basketball Show, and more. That man over there is Evan Damerell, the founder of independent site, Write Down Euclid, which covers the entire Cleveland sports scene. As always, we have Jake Stevens producing the music right on the way and is our, from our friends at Astro Radio. Okay, segment one today, Ricky Rubio concerned. Segment two, what was Howell Neto, how Tony Neto, excuse me, last year. And segment three, f- point, free agent options, other ways you could supplement the point guard room if you want to sh- reshuffle a deck a little bit there. But to start with Ricky Rubio, Evan, the numbers in the film <laughs> would tell you that Ricky Rubio uh, might be going off of a cliff. But he also was coming off of an ACL tear, the second ACL tear in the same knee. I am really curious to see like what maybe the Cavs seem to think about what Rubio can do. Do they look to flip him? Do they run it back with him? I, I am fascinated to see what they kind of their their read on Rubio be and, and how we kind of suss that out by other, what other moves they make in the summer. So full disclosure, my rotten goblin brain when he said the subject matter was Ricky Rubio, uh, flashback to 2015-16 when uh then presidential candidate Donald John Trump oh, was don't splashing even, a water bottle what everywhere what and yelling, "It's what Rubio!" I right, we're, we're we're just we're moving. We're on, shifting please. focus here. Um, yeah, Ricky Rubio was suboptimal to say the least. I said this on Tuesday's show a little bit, but like I think people may have had unrealistic expectations of Rubio coming back. Just considering what he did for the Cavs prior to that ACL tear uh, last season or two seasons ago, rather, and maybe the expectations were a little too high, but you could tell the mind was there, but the body just quite isn't. And maybe there are some mental roadblocks in that regard, but it's hard coming off an ACL tear. Like it's very realistic for athletes not to be 100% until the following season, especially if you're tearing it for the second time and Rubio stressed as much uh, in his exit interviews, where he's like, yeah, I'm happy I got back to the court, but I'm frustrated that like I wasn't able to execute and do the things I am used to doing on a game to game basis. And he really stressed that he just needs more reps and opportunities and just time on the court to do that. And perhaps that comes with the Spanish national team this summer, um, or he just does some one-on-one work or just something he's going to regardless, just put in some type of work to hone his craft, obviously. But yeah, if you're Cleveland, it's a little disappointing just considering you bring in Rubio at first to be your backup point guard. Maybe Karis Liverts are starting to with Colin Sexton being your backup two, or you flip flop those two. Whatever, I don't care. Sexton's not on the team, and I'm not an angry elf. But either way, it's just Rubio was a little disappointing. I think it softened the blow of just how poor he looked at times with having Donovan Mitchell out there just sharing responsibilities 
with Darius Garland at least shouldering that offensive scoring load to enable Garland to be more of that playmaker and creator that he's very gifted at doing. But you want to get more from Rubio, especially because there was at least like a clear-ish vision when you signed him to a three-year contract. Sure, it's technically two with the last year. Either there isn't pars- isn't fully guaranteed or it's a team option or something like that. I don't have the exact contract in front of me, but shifting focus to next season, if Rubio still looks tapped out physically, if he still just isn't a guy that's like a true, like not seamless fit, but a proper fit, especially next to hopefully a reconstructed bench unit that has more shooting options and maybe an extended Karis LeVert as well, who knows, but you obviously aren't going to be as pressed to figure out the Ricky Rubio situation because there's bigger fish to fry on this Cavs roster in terms of figuring things out on offense, but he was an active detriment to the offensive flow for Cleveland, especially in the postseason. And the Knicks took advantage of that. And I think that's a big reason on why Cleveland lost in five games, especially when Bickerstaff kept going to Rubio in games three and four and on the road. I, I think it is fair to cut him some slack. And like I think I there's no doubt that like there is a reverence for this guy in among the locker room, among the coaching staff, among the organization. There's a reason that like they targeted bringing him back and it was not a secret that even when they traded him to Indiana, they get Carrots Levert. Literally when a free agency opened, they signed Rubio. Like, they didn't even wait. But it, like, wasn't even, like, a like it wasn't a surprise to me just based on everything mm-hmm. that was out there in the months before, even after they traded him for Carrots Levert. But here's, here's the reality. He was bad, and he was not playable mm-hmm. in the playoffs. He's 30, 31 years old, will be 32 before the regular season starts, and sure, 32 right around when... He's going to be 33, excuse me, right around when the regular season starts next year. The, the, again, like, did he did he actually just go over the cliff of no return for him? Like, is, is he able to get back to some kind of useful form for him? This is a salary that is not something you flip for anything one-to-one. That's not how this is going to work to get, like, a better player, and you don't have the assets anyway. But he's at $6 million. You could stack that with other stuff. I really come back to it's I, I think he will get a chance to like be more of Ricky Rubio next year, but I also think you you probably should I think you probably need to probably find it some way around this. We'll talk about the in segment three, like the kinds of guards I would kind of be looking at that kind of if you're trying to emulate what Rubio does to fit with your two guards, and we know he can play well with both those guys when he when he's been right. There are things there are certain characteristics I would look at that are not necessarily traditionally kind of pure point guardy things, but I, I I think you should be looking for alternatives for Rubio here. I don't think I don't th- just I don't think they banked on him being that this year. I think a little bit they just kind of hoped it worked out. I don't think you can bank on that for next year going forward based on what we saw from Rubio in the playoffs and in the regular season. I think that's a fair assessment. Um... This is something we talked about at least um, before they acquired Donovan Mitchell. Like you understood the vision of signing Holoneto. He was able to get you to the point where Rubio can get back to the floor. And we didn't know what to expect when Rubio came back. And we have a clear vision of what he is now. But now I think it, you're, I don't want to say really pressed, but like you're, if you're Cleveland, when you're looking at that third guard option, if you want to keep Rubio just as a locker room guy, and as you noted, a guy who's beloved by the team, the coaching staff, the organization, the fan base, et cetera, so on and so forth, um, you need to start grooming a guy or just preparing a guy, uh, whether that's like an undrafted free agent, a guy you utilize the charge, or a free agent signing that is either going to become that second guard behind Garland with Rubio taking over that Neto role where he's the third guard and you use him in like 
emergency situations, arresting Garland on back-to-backs and things like that. Or you just really have to bank on him coming back full form because it just it stuck in my craw because Kobe Altman made it explicitly clear that there are no sweeping changes coming to the Cavs um, this offseason heading into next year. And if that means more or less running it back and you're running it back on Ricky Rubio, you're really banking or hoping that he does return to form and become more of the player he was before he tore that ACL. I think I'm at the point where this right. I don't think you can. I just really don't think you can bank on it 100 percent i think you need i don't i I don't either and i am uh not a strong advocate because you and i may disagree just i think having donovan mitchell and karis lavert is like your rotation at guards at least solves some of the issues but if you're able to have a viable like fourth option that's much better than what you may have right now in ricky rubio we're going to talk about Howell Neto after this, but first, got to tell you about eBay Motors. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part of it needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the, the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guarantee fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Thanks again for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Every day is we'll be back on Monday. We're going to start diving into the shooting guard spot there and talk about Donovan Mitchell. Heard of him? Pretty good, even if the playoffs didn't go well. So, Evan, let's turn our attention to Howell Neto, who is the third-string point guard, played in some spot minutes at times with someone that sometimes when they needed a stabilizer, a guy to like dribble the basketball and like not freak out, that is who they went to. Tell me, what do you, what was your read on 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 Neto last year and, and what he kind of gave in in his you know very limited role? Like, didn't play a ton, but what did you make out of what Cleveland got from him? So I think Hall Neto was inoffensive. You and I talked about this a bit. Like, he can have those moments where he steps up for the Cavs in certain ways. You're like, oh, I, I didn't expect that. Whether it's defense or maybe sometimes some scoring chops or just little things like that, but. Holoneto, at this point in his career, especially with the Cavs uh, this last season, was a table setter. He didn't try to do too much on offense. He tried to make sure the offense was still flowing. Things were clicking. As you and may say, a train conductor, he made sure the trains were just coming in at the right times. And those were the bigs or the guys cutting or just floating on the perimeter or whatever the Cavs were doing within their offensive schemes. But Neto was fine. Again, he was a bridge to the Cavs, letting Rubio have the runway to heal and recover properly. But he, again, I, if you're banking on Ricky Rubio, I can understand like, coming back to 100%. You and I are in agreement that he's not. But like, if you do that and you explore that avenue, like it makes sense at least that you don't want to rock the boat too much, and maybe you just bring in Neto, a guy who's already familiar with the concept, so like he's a little bit ahead of a cur- ahead of the curve heading into training camp this upcoming season. But N- Neto was fine. Like uh, I have always been a fan of his game. I just I think he kind of fits like that Matthew Delvadova second stint in Cleveland role a little bit, where like he doesn't give you much offensively, but at least he's going to play hard and try to do the right things for you. 
that that is what I think is super nice about a guy like Neto. This is a guy that was really liked by the coaching staff. There, some of them worked with him back in Utah. Um, this is someone that I think like knows exactly what he is, knows what his job kind of is, like what his his goal to be. He played five hundred and five minutes last season. That's a career low. I don't know if he'll be back next year. I, I think you could aim a little bit higher if you wanted to aim for more youth if you wanted to. If you want, if you elected to go the route, I don't think that'd be a bad thing. But like, I I have a friend who like loves Neto, and he's just like, can Neto play more? Because there is just so there is just a thing that he does where it's like you know he's probably going to make a decent read, you know he's going to like be able to run a pick and roll, and he's going to compete defensively, and it's like. If you want to have that as like your break glass in case of emergency point guard, I don't hate that because like I I think like that was a needed skill set. I think that's some of what Rubio gave you. He's not as good as Rubio is if Rubio is actually healthy, but like he actually was like available last year. Inoffensive is a good way to put it. Neto is not gonna come in and like be like a Tyus Jones level guy for you and spot start and and like carry your offense at times, but he is gonna come in and just like get your team into sets and things and. I don't know. I, I don't like hate having like that archetype deep on your bench. Now, oh, do, no. The, the, the question is just like, should that roster spot go to something else? And like that, that is kind of where my, my brain goes when I think about the same. Like that's, that's where I kind of circle back to is Rubio was the vision, but I think just the way that contract was structured, like you view him as like that third guard for you, kind of similar to what you do with Neto, maybe more of a locker room impact compared to Neto. But by the way, by the way, uh, we're recording just so people know we're recording this on Monday to get ahead. Uh, Kevin Love just sticking threes for the the heat. Just hilarious. Two thumbs up. None of them are hurt anymore, folks, but. We'll talk about some free agent options, or maybe there's guys in the second round the Cavs could take a gander at, but it's a pretty thin market free agency-wise just for a lot of key spots the Cavs could pursue. I mean, just like big man notwithstanding, they could get a body to fill that Robin Lopez mold that's a little bit younger and more athletic, especially if maybe Isaiah Mobley's not quite ready for the moment. But uh, it's it's tough just because... Again, there's two thought processes. Like, if you're running it back and you don't feel as pressed to address the need to find, like, the not heir apparent, but like a proper backup point guard behind Garland, you just maybe bring back Neto on that vet min and you try to see what you have just because he is ahead of the curve of a guy you are bringing in outside of the organization. And it's like, I, I think there is some in the fact that it's like, if you are, I understand the impulse. It's like you're a team that wants to win something and like has aspirations to like be a playoff team and be competent. I I do understand just like, this is the kind of backup point guard you look at, right? Like that, that to me makes sense. That to me is just like, Oh, it's like this thing we kind of need. Let's go for that. I can trust that. I can, I can wrap my mind around it. Um, mm-hmm. Would you, would you, let's end on the, the, the Neto signal and things. Evan, would another like one year minimum contract Neto deal? Like, would that be a bad, do you think that would be like an acceptable bit of business for Cleveland in July? Yeah, um, let's say they prioritize like shooting and wing depth, and they're like, "Hey, we're kind of spread thin financially, so let's just bring back uh, how Tony Nato to be clear on a vet min deal." Like, yeah, that's fine by me. I agree. I would aim a little higher in other spots, but like, I would prefer him to like Sharif Cooper. Yeah, I, I'm. We'll talk about Cooper in this. I'm just kind of like 
that guy, I don't like, know if that guy. I, I I like the idea of Chandler Vaudrin, but I just don't think he has like the, the the bigger point guard scratching itch for me. If you listen to this show a lot, but like the guys they've been developing in house with the charge may not be quite ready to fill that spot, especially if Rubio just. I mean, I mean, they, they, I mean, they might just be not good. That too. I I think the path forward like could be. You bring him back for one year. You get a guy like on a two way that you develop. You will have the third G, the two way slot now. Like maybe you can nail that. Mm, mm-hmm. That could be. You could find someone you like. Maybe someone goes undrafted. Like there is just like a crop of point guards that come available. Like that, that is just like a deep guard group. You can go find somebody. I think and, and try to really develop them. And I, I would like if you're talking about like the vet min guys that signed last year to do very specific things. I think Neto coming back makes like a ton more sense than like Robin Lopez coming back. Yeah, it, it does. Uh, when you put it that way, like very back end of your bench guys, like don't expect to play most nights if at all. Neto makes sense just as penciled in in that role for Cleveland. Yeah. All right. After this, we'll talk about some free agency options because there's there's stuff to come. All right. Uh, so let's hit Sharif Cooper first. It was with the Charge last year, put up big numbers. I don't think he's like the right skill set for what I'm looking at. I think he's just like a buckets guy and he's small and like I, I he's exciting, but like I that's not exactly what I'm looking for if I'm Cleveland in that. So Sharif Cooper is an interesting player because you can understand the vision behind it. But as you said, he's a smaller guard. Uh, he is very volume heavy in terms of scoring and impact. Um, I did pick his brain a little bit when I did cover the charge, just like how Garland talks about like it's okay to be aggressive um even if you turn over the ball if it's creating uh shot opportunities and Cooper did say like Mike Garrity did coach him a lot like that saying like hey it's okay if you turn it over but if you're like creating offense for your teammates that's fine but I think just like the biggest indictment against Cooper is how one he looked in the summer league and like he just was absolutely abysmal that's kind of what got him cut from the Hawks and I did tune into the Charges last game against Long Island, and Cooper made just a lot of ill-advised shots. And like that's the microcosm of him as a player, where like instead of maybe looking to set up his teammates or something, he would rather just try to be the hero and play hero ball. And that's not what the Cavs need from a guy who is your like second or third guard off the bench. You go. Then I think the other thing is you look at the frequency class of point guards, and it's not like a, there's not like a lot of names that I'm like screaming at as far as like a like what I would spend on them and b like what Cleveland realistically is going to do for like this kind of play. It's probably going to be a minimum deal. You have mm-hmm. bigger needs on the wing and other stuff, and that like I think ultimately what will happen, Evan, is Kobe Allman's not going to be super aggressive with the backup point guard spot. I think they would make swap a guy out here or there, get a guy in a developmental deal, but I think you could kind of run this group back with Garland at the spear point. And be fine. Like, you know, the other names that I that I like in like a vacuum, like, yeah, like you know, like I, I think Javon Carter's like a good enough player. Like I, I Reggie Jackson has like if you wanted to swap out your veteran, like I don't hate that. Like but like mm. Kendrick Nunn's not doing a ton, like maybe that's your depth piece. Like but you're getting into these names and it's just like none of these guys are really kinda like moving the yeah, needle in a real way. You yeah. get into like you get into like Neto and and that kind of like just kind of vet, like and you're not gonna get like Pat Bev doesn't do anything for me. I think Russ will probably stay with the Clippers, like depending on what the money looks like. Like there's just like a, not a lot of ways to go. So this leads me to just think, I think if you're trying to find the a guard to add to this point guard room, so to speak, I want a combo guard, a guy who can handle a little bit and mm-hmm. spot up and shoot a little bit. I'm looking for like, so I'm not really like looking for like a point guard. I'm looking for like the thing that can kind of be like a hybridized like point guard wing. Like I, I will, we will talk about him a ton. I'm kind of getting obsessed with like this archetype. 
Dante oh DiVincenzo, DiVincenzo is just like the right exact kind of guard that I'm looking for. A little bit bigger. I know the shot has not been great in the playoffs, but he can defend. He can handle a little bit. Like, like if you're trying to find the right backup point guard to play with Garland and Mitchell, who are going to be heavy ball dominant guys, and let's just assume that Evan Mobley adds more into his offensive repertoire as it goes on, right? Like, he adds more to the game. He adds more to what he is. Mm-hmm. You don't need, like, a traditional kind of backup point guard. You need a guy who can play on and off ball, who's, who's really going to provide defensively for you, defend up on the wings and su- on switches and things. That's what you're looking for as far as, like, your quote-unquote, like, backup guard. Mm-hmm. DiVincenzo is, like, the right frame for that kind of guy. You either want a guy who's, like, defensive-oriented or a guy who's going to, like, bomb threes. That's where, like, the Luke Kennard interest, I think, you know, had some merit to it as opposed to, like, a Karis mm-hmm. LeVert type. This is what I'm looking at when I think about guards. I'm thinking about, like, how can I approximate what Ricky Rubio kind of should be if he's right? And, like, that's the kind of guard you're looking at more than, I think, like, finding the right backup point guard in that way. That's an interesting thought process, and I can put a building block on top of that because let's let's just assume um, Karis LeVert's coming back. I think it's pretty clear the Cavs and LeVert's camp are going to make an effort to bring LeVert back on some type of extension. but um, let's say Cleveland kind of uses him as that six man and gives him those opportunities to create with the ball in his hands, whether for it's, it's for himself or his teammates, but a guy like Dante DiVincenzo does make a lot of sense in that regard where he can handle the ball in certain scenarios, but like he doesn't need the ball in his hand in order to function as a player, but also he busts his butt on defense as well and is functional in that aspect. And if you want to maybe sacrifice defense and as Chris said, go with the shooting route, maybe you look at guys like Josh Richardson who, Still has some defensive well, upside. Rich, Rich, maybe it's not. Rich Richardson's a little different. I think Richardson's like a straight up wing. I think like Garrett. Fair, if you fair. could, you, you could find a way to get like Garrett Jr. Then you're talking like a guy who could handle a little bit more and is a little younger and stuff. But like okay, that's, that's gonna that's, that's that's like a whole other segue of moves you'd have to do. I mean, there's guys like that. Do you think like Malik Beasley, if he doesn't um, stick with the Lakers, like is a guy worth pursuing? Or maybe I, even I just, Alec Burks I, if the uh, Pistons let him go. I, I Burks has had like a really nice career since Cleveland. I I I don't I see I I think though I think DiVincenzo is in the sweet spot of like actually is like kind of a guard. And the age thing is what kind of interests me too. Like age wise, he slots in nicely with the Cavs are building yeah. too. Yeah, so he's twenty six. Like that's like the right or you know, like it's right around Mitchell's age. That 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 to me kind of to make some sense. Um, the. <sighs> You know, like Man, this list stinks. The, just like, free, here's just like a, a preview of our shows in, in June before we get to free agency on July 1st. This is not a free agency class that I would be ex- like free agency is this thing where I think it, it's about stars. And but now you get stars being traded and things. So like, who knows what it's going to be going forward. Free agency is not a place all the time where you're going to get like real difference makers and movers and shakers like you're you can get some stuff that will help you but i i think we're in this spot now especially with this class where it's like i don't think you're loading up on like big needs i think you got to be very strategic about how you spend your money and it's like Mm -hmm. if i'm cleveland i would like rather like spend a little more of my mle on like someone that actually fits than someone who's just like not good just to say like i spent the mle it's like if you can't get like a divincenzo or like the right kind of forward you want in the mle and that when we get to that crop that's like not also not a particularly great crop of options you have for yourself I think you're really trying to just be very picky about this and you have to win negotiations and all that. But like you, you have to kind of hit some of these things as, as best you can. Um, there's maybe like a little more flexibility in some of the wings. You could roll the dice on a little bit guard. I think there's like very specific things that I'll be looking for. It's like why it's like if you bring back Neto on a min and you could like get DiVincenzo or you could like 
let me ask you, and here's here's a name, and I don't really feel good about it because I think you'd have the, the defensively it'd be very hard to to kind of play him correctly. But he's a, he's a really good shooter who can play in two guard lineups. How would you feel about like Seth Curry on like a really cheap contract? Oh, I, I Seth Curry makes a ton of sense just from the suit, shooting, excuse me, component alone. Like that that makes a lot of sense. But again, shooting is a premium commodity in the NBA, no matter how you look at it. So. He's, but he's 33, like, yeah. defensive injured, liability. Defensive yeah. liability. Like, there's a lot of concerns that come with it, but the Cavs could get pretty easily priced out, but maybe other teams that have a little bit of that money to play with in terms of just, like, what they can do with it. Um, Like, I don't know. If, like, let's say I'm looking at, like, the very bottom of just, like, names that could be realistically within Cleveland's, like, priced here. Maybe the Bulls let Javante Green, uh, like, they don't resign. Okay, but that, He's but, UFA. But like, just to, let's just circle it back to, like, point guards, like, guard specifically. Because I think we're like, really, guard like. Guard specifically, like, we're yeah. focusing just, like, fix, like those hollow Neto replacements. Like, your alternatives could be, like, oh, my gosh. Um, I mean, obviously, there's Neto. There's maybe. Austin Rivers, if you want to shake that tree and just see what that's going on over there, maybe you can get convince Matthew Delavadova to come back to Cleveland for a third time and leave the situation that he had he in should, Sacramento. Is or that, he that he sh- that he should go to Melbourne. If if I was gonna roll the dice seven on a younger guy who had a really down year, but is twenty three and hit, hit and uh, had just like an off year in a in a weird situation, I I would like I don't know what what his mark will be. I don't know if we'll go back, but like Jalen Noel as like a, as like a younger guy to kind of rehabilitate would, would maybe make some sense to me as well. If you're kind of like would, looking at the younger yeah. aspect for minute, he's from Minnesota, um, 23, six, four. So like, is that the right size? Like if you couldn't get even chins, like that's like a rehabilitation project of that size that I, I wouldn't hate. No, I, I think, yeah, that would be interesting. Um, but the issue with rehabilitation projects is you do need to give them on-floor reps. And with where the Cavs are at, it's not like two, three years ago where they're obviously rebuilding and they like acquire like it's the island of broken toys for a while. Like they look at how guys like Dante Exum that they're taking like a long, long look at to see if he could be a rotation piece. So it's just like a fine line you have to walk. It's something I don't envy because it's just what the Cavs have to deal with more often than not is like player development all while trying to be like a quote unquote contending or winning team. And maybe they comb the market and find a veteran just as a stopgap until maybe they find a more permanent solution, as you said, on like a two way spot. Maybe they look at a guy who's a little bit more of like who can provide you not just exactly that playmaking aspect, like shooting, defense, and maybe other things too. Like there's, there's names out there that make sense. Especially if you view Karis LeVert as like your sixth man as your primary ball handler and a guy who's more comfortable functioning with the ball not in his hands, a la like someone who's not like Rubio. Um, that's an alternative too. And it's not really a position in need, but look at us like really like diving deep and thinking about the possible possible avenues. And to, to me at least, you obviously look elsewhere with all your tools that you have available in free agency. And you don't really prioritize backup point guard, but if you can find like a younger, more athletic option, like absolutely sign it or sign him rather, not it. But um, I just I don't think it's going to be like the most pressing priority if you're Cleveland. And like I wouldn't blink if like the Cavs announced that they signed Holandetto to another just like one year contract, just as they kind of figure out the next steps at point guard. I wouldn't either, and I I don't think that's bad. I would I agree. I would look 
elsewhere as far as like using your assets for what they can. But I, I wonder, do I wonder if if their read on like what they kind of need at the guard spot, if there's like a thing that they see that there's a way to kind of fix them. All right, we're going to end there. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Darimal. Back on Monday. Thanks again to Jake Stevens for producing. <laughs>